Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. When former soldier Edward Parker's nephew lost both his legs in combat in Afghanistan in 2009, he decided it was time for him to do something to make a difference. And boy, did he follow through. He went on to become co-founder of the charity Walking with the Wounded to help provide support for ex-veterans. The charity offers support that includes helping individuals get back into employment, offering mental health services and family support. This incredible charity has seen amputees take on challenges, including both the North and South Poles and Everest, proving there is life beyond injury, and it has won a Pride of Britain Award for the inspirational work it does. Uh, It's an honour, Ed, to welcome you to the Sandro Forte podcast. Anyone who can do what you've done uh, deserves all the accolades that you've received, and I'm delighted that you found the time to join us on the Sandro Forte podcast today. So welcome. Well, it's, it's great to, to join you, Sandra, and thank you. Uh, well, the pleasure's all ours. And uh, you have been mentioned to me by quite a number of people. So really, really delighted to find out all we can in the next 30 minutes, if that's okay. So, um, for, nervous, though. <laughs> uh, not as nerv- nervous as me. I've done it lots of times, and I still get nervous when I sit and talk to, to very important people like you. So... Um, Tell us, if you would, a little bit. Now, I mean, not everyone will know Edward Parker, so, uh, and I say that with no disrespect, of course, but we're going to find out quite a lot about you today and also about the charity and the amazing work that you've done. Just by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about Ed Parker and uh, the life, and in particular, the service that you've given this country. Sure. Well, I'm, you know, I'm like you know, most people, very ordinary, sort of safe background, um, I left school. I joined the army. I come from a military family, and it was it was a it was a path I was always expecting to, to take. Um, and I served in the army in the in the Royal Green Jackets in the eighties and nineties. Uh, absolutely loved it. Um, learned a hell of a lot of of life while I was doing it. Uh, met some truly remarkable people, uh, and made bonds and friendships that are still the, the strongest that I have today. Um, I left, I went into the city. As I was leaving, I said the only industry I wasn't going to join was the city. Um, And (laughs) ended up going into the city where I worked in the equity world. I was uh, institutional equities uh, based out initially in the Far East before coming back to London. And I worked for uh, Salomon Brothers and uh, City. I went through all those mergers. The name got longer and longer and longer and longer and suddenly was just city. I left there, set up my own retail business, flogging wine. Uh, we imported fine wine from France and Italy. And then, as you said a moment ago, Sandra, my nephew was uh, badly injured in 2009, and that was the trigger to to set up walking with the wounded, which I, you know, I hadn't been expecting to doing to, to do. Obviously, I'd, I'd love to find out more about that. And um, before that, if I may, Ed. Um, 
your your service that you've given this country, and I know I speak for many, many people listening to this podcast in, in thanking you and all of the people uh, that have worked so tirelessly to keep us safe for so many years. What what is what does your army service teach you um, that you've been able to apply to life and business since then? Because my brother served in the army for a number of years, and I see certain traits that run through people who have served in the army or the navy or the air force. In your experience, what 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 things did you learn? How did it shape you? And and what skills did you learn that have helped you in your life since then? Wow, Sandra, it's a it's a it's a, it's a really good question. It's it's quite a complex one to answer because I think it probably impacts individuals in in different ways. For me, um, it gave me then a sense of community which I now want to extend today. Um, it, it brings with it some some good values, uh, human values, which I think uh, I try to apply. I probably don't always succeed, but integrity, respect, humility. Um, I think it gives you a great sense of the value of teamwork. Um, and I think it gives you, uh, it certainly gave me a, a very strong sense of the, the value of empowering others. Um, the, the military command structure is very rigid. It's a very rigid pyramid that doesn't exist in the corporate world. Um, and you can't apply it with the same rigidity. It wouldn't work. But w- there are elements of it around empowerment and delegation, which I put huge value in. Um, I want my team and the organizations that I've set up, I want them to feel engaged and um, part of the solution. And, and that came that came from my from my military time. And, and you use the word service, which is a word that I, I probably missed for many years. Um, but as someone who's been in the military, I think we can still serve and we still want to serve. COVID's been the most brilliant example of that. When you look at the volunteer organizations out there, many of which are, are run and populated by veterans, we just have this sense of wanting to help our community, our country. And so I think, you know, without wanting to witter on, those are the things that I carry close to me now. Going back now to 2009 and and, uh, your nephew losing both legs uh, in Afghanistan, there's many people, Ed, that found themselves in the situation you did at the time who would spend a lot of time feeling sorry for themselves, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily have taken any positive action as a result of what had happened. What, what was the, what was the moment at which you decided and, and how did it come about that you just decided to, to set up a charity to um, help people like Harry? I mean, how did, how did all that happen and, and where did that inspiration come from, apart from, of course, what happened to Harry? But why did you just make it happen? Um, well, it, it's a, it sort of it's sort of happened without me really thinking about it. I, you know, I'd seen the impact of um, violence when you're on operations for when I was serving in the military. It wasn't a, you know, I, I, I've seen it before. Not pretty, but, you know, it's something that you understand. Um, and it was very, I sort of had a very different feeling when it's your own kith and kin. And I went up to, um, to visit uh, Harry in Selyoke up in Birmingham where there was a military ward. Um, and I remember going in there with a real trepidation 
And it was at the time when there was a big campaign going on in the sun. Help for Heroes had just been launched. We're doing extraordinary things. The other military charities were making a lot of noise. But I I just noticed that, by and large, the message coming out about those who'd come back from the war injured was one of pity and sorrow. And that didn't resonate with me. And when I went onto that ward and I saw these young men and women who had been damaged by war, they were talking about the what next. You know, what am I going to achieve next? What am I going to do next? Who's going to run the furthest, jump the highest, um, do stuff with their kids? And it was, it was not the story that I was hearing. And so uh, I was in the process of putting together a, a trip to the North Pole with some mates because I, you know, I love adventure and I've, done, I've been lucky enough to do some adventures in my life. And I, I said to one of them, why don't we... I don't think I said it. I think it was the second bottle of red wine, if I'm honest, said. Um, why don't we take some injured servicemen and women with us to the North Pole? And it wasn't about setting up a charity. It was about demonstrating, despite injury, these young people could still go and achieve extraordinary things. It was there just to show others, look, you're going to be okay. You're going to be able to pull through this. And so that was the start point. The, 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 charity, the charity emerged out of this idea because we, and it was, a, it was one of those long shot phone calls. I phoned up uh, a friend of mine to ask Prince Harry if he'd join us. And that was probably after the, another second bottle of wine, just though it was a long shot. And 40 minutes later, and I do remember it really well, 40 minutes later, the phone rang back and said, could you come to Clarence House tomorrow to meet Prince Harry? It's one of the few occasions where you look at your diary and whatever is in it, you go, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm free. <laughs> so, um, and so I went, I, I, I went to meet him. He had, Prince Harry had recently come back from his first tour of Afghanistan, had sat in the back of a plane with... Uh, a couple of guys who were in an induced coma, who were en route to Selly Hospital, uh, and a couple of body bags. And it had had, quite rightly, and he's a, he's a human being, it had quite a profound effect on him. So we probably put this suggestion to him at the right time. His involvement just made, made people pay attention. And so rather than us raising a, a few grand or a couple, you know, I think we were trying to raise 100 grand by doing that, the expedition, suddenly there was interest, there was press. And the charity um, the charity emerged out of that. What was to come thereafter, again, I had no idea about, but it was, um, it was just that involvement of the Duke of Sussex, as he is now, that made the difference. Now, I, I, I'm just thinking back to that phone call. If you'd really had guts and he'd said, are you free to come to Clarence House tomorrow? You should have said... Can't do it tomorrow, but what about the day after? But um, actually, I'm I'm being I'm being uh, I'm being brave after the event. I'm sure I'd have taken the same view of you. Whatever's in the diary is suddenly going to get cancelled. Um, so uh, I'm I'm really keen to know now a bit more about the charity and what you what you do. I'm I love the the comment you made earlier Ed, about the fact that you've there you are in a ward full of badly injured service men and women. And they're all talking about who can jump the furthest and run the farthest. And I'm really interested to know, maybe you don't know the answer to this, but hopefully in all of that experience you've gained over the last 11 years or so, what is it about adversity that creates something in someone's mind that 
you know, going from a very ordinary life to all of a sudden everything being turned on its head. And now they're talking about achieving even more extraordinary things. Does it, I, I'm, I'm trying to, to link this to life and business where, you know, sometimes this apathetic nature that we all seem to adopt, does it take adversity to help us transform our lives or it, it was just that part of human nature? I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really, what I'm asking you is what can we share with people listening that will help them to take action before adversity strikes? What, we don't necessarily want to wait until the worst happens to find the best of ourselves. I find if someone says, no, you can't do something to me, I then spend the next however long working out how I can do it. And maybe it's bloody-mindedness or uh, maybe it's just uh, being dogged. I don't know. And within the, within the confines of the military, you are, you are often given tasks which, at, at, at first sight, you can't, you can't unpick them. You can't see how you're going to succeed. And so through a sort of process of thinking and planning, you work out how you're going to do it. So I think, I think we've, in the military, you're educated in this. I don't think it's necessarily human nature, uh, but you're educated in it and it becomes, it becomes your, your way of being. Um, and so when, you know, I, it's, it's, it's not human nature if you are in an environment where someone shoots at you to then get up and try and go and stop them shooting at you. Human nature is for you to get as deep down into the dirt as you can so he can't hit you. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've always, I have always gone through many, many times is when you turn around to people that you're serving with and say, okay, boys, I need you to do this. And they look at you and go, yeah, okay. You know, it's not, we're not all putting on party hats and, and saying, great, this is going to be a good crack. But it's an extraordinary, um, it's an extraordinary environment when you do come across that, and it's down to training, it's down to leadership, it's down to trust, and it's down to just that sheer bloody mindedness that you are not going to stop me. Um, and I think doing that, I think doing that in isolation, doing that individually, is really hard. And people who do do it as individuals, I have great admiration for, huge admiration for. When you're in a team, it's it's the pack mentality, the tribe mentality. Um, and you get such strength from one another. It's an incredibly, it's, a, it's such a powerful feeling when you as a, a group of people, however small, have that common goal. And I say, I think it, um, I think it comes from that, uh, it's training rather than instinct. In, in respect of the charity Walking with the Wounded, Ed, what, what are you doing specifically to help people jump farther, run farther? Um, what, what are the, let me call them services. What are the services that you provide to help people get back to a sense of who they are, helping them to achieve some of those life goals that they have to now set for themselves, maybe for the first time as a result of their injury? What, what is it that you're doing as a charity to help these people? Okay, well, as, just to put it in context, the, the, over 90% of the people who leave, leave the armed forces transition out into the civilian world with without a hiccup they get employment they get somewhere to live and uh, and 
on they move and they contribute positively to society. There's, there's a short 10% though that, that struggle. Uh, they find the transition out of the institutional world that we are in to where you and I now exist as being a difficult one. Um, and many of them have a plethora of needs that have to be addressed. As, uh, as an organisation, Walking with the Wounded, we, we only do three things. We provide employment support, we have a mental health programme, national mental health programme, and we do what we call care coordination, which I think in um, common parlance is, is case working. And, and the reason we have to do that is a lot of our, and we call them clients, our service users, who are going through our employment programme or our mental health programme, have a plethora of other needs which which must be addressed. So our care coordinators will work with them throughout a, a journey to ensure that those needs are seen to. And we work with we work with quite a complex group of people who predominantly they have mental ill health. Um, many are on the periphery of the criminal justice system. Many have been homeless, unemployed, um, and so they they do have. Uh, they do have quite a range of needs. There's, there's quite a lot of alcohol, um, alcohol issues. And so we, we provide an end-to-end service working with a huge number of partners. Our principal partner is the NHS. Um, we believe strongly that you know, we are first and foremost, we're citizens. The, the veteran label is, is, is an add-on, something we're all very proud of, but we are citizens, so we should be using the uh, universal health healthcare provider. And what we do is we support the NHS. We give them a little bit extra, little bit extra juice on the side um, when that it comes is, to veterans. That's amazing. And, and I'm still trying to get my head around the idea that you take people that have you know lost limbs and suffered horrific injuries to the North Pole, the South Pole, halfway up Everest. Um, tell us a little bit about the the, um, the expeditions and the events that you run because they are I mean are very diverse but also extraordinary that the fact that many of us you know mere mortals wouldn't want to take on anything like that um, and here we are with people with extreme physical challenges um, somehow finding a way to deal with it so tell us a little bit about the the events that you run and the expeditions that you organize well, the, the, the reason we still do them, I mean, it was where we came out of, but the reason we still do them now is to, to maintain a sort of brand presence and it's marketing, it's an ability for us to tell stories of who these people are. So we, we still do them for that reason. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of them are a bit unreal. Uh, it's a, they're wonderful things to have taken taken part in. And I'm, uh, I'm a sucker for that sort of thing. But it's, we've been very lucky to, to have, you know, to, to work with a group of people who do see themselves as ambassadors for their community and they want to inspire others. And so by them taking part, we can reach deep into the community, the, the ex-military community, and say, look, you know, if this chap can do it, so can you. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there is a purpose to, 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 to get others who are struggling to come forward and go, do you know what, if he can do it, then so can I. And that, that, that so can I could well be not going to the North Pole. It could be saying, look, do you know what? There's something wrong with me uh, and I do need some help uh, and I want to come onto the journey with you to address the issues that I'm facing. And so it's, um, it's, it's been a great way of, of, of championing our, uh, our community, of inspiring not just our community but, but far, far, far wider um, and just, and particularly now, Sandro, with the wars being quite some time ago, we've got to remind people 
that there are still people who have injury as a result of their service. And okay, the physical, you know, we are not picking up new physical injuries in the military, but people are still seeing the manifestation of mental ill health and we, we can address that. Mm. And mental ill health, of course, has really come to the fore of people's minds in the last sort of five or six years in particular, much more aware of it now, much more of a focus on it, which, you know, uh, not before time, I have to say. And I think I think it's terrific that you're, you're dealing with that as well. I, I'd like to talk to you just a moment about philanthropy as a general subject, Ed, because obviously, you know, you gave up a, 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 an awfully big portion of your life to embark on a philanthropic mission which has achieved some amazing things for so many people uh, that does beg the question many people listening to this podcast will say you know why on earth would he want to do that um so i'd like i'd like your views on well you, sh- you shake your head but um you, you are one of a very small group of people who uh make huge sacrifices to help others so um quite quite like your view on that but also on the more general topic um for, for those people listening saying, well, you know, I can't help financially, Ed. I'd, I'd love to do something. What, what can I do to help? Is it just about money or are there other things that people can do to help walking with the wounded? Well, I'll answer the, the second bit first, if I, if I may. Uh, you know, it is, um, money is uh, crucial. You know, I hate saying it. I- I loathe the fundraising side. I loathe the asking, but it's it's crucial to what we do. And um, the recent uh, lockdown has had a massive effect on on charities, whatever sector they are in. So yes, money is wonderfully, uh, gratefully accepted any day of the week. Um, but we also we we use volunteers. We need volunteers, and we've been um, we have a volunteer program. And if people are interested in getting involved in that, it helps run our events. We've been uh, delivering food up in Greater Manchester during the pandemic, uh, using our both our beneficiaries and supporters to do so. Um, we have a joint venture with Keep Britain Tidy, which. Um, for the beautification of uh, of war memorials and uh, and uh, and other uh, public sites, so um, the volunteering piece is really important, really really valuable. The the philanthropy piece, and God, you know, I I sort of listen to you talking about me like that, Sandra, and I sort of, there's a bit of me goes, I wonder who he's talking about because I don't, I've never really thought of it like that. It's just I sort of fell into it, and it, next thing I knew, I was doing it, and then it was beginning to pick up a bit of momentum and a team was building and I was running a business and this is a business. We, we have a PL, we have a balance sheet, we have cash flow. Uh, we, we, we have contracts. We, you know, it's just like running a business. There, there are no shareholders wanting dividends and we're, we're trying to be as effective as we can. So that the challenge, my day-to-day challenges are the same as, as yours with your business. Um, and, um, I like running. I like running things. It sounds, that sounds rather, um, that sounds rather self-centered, but I like running things. I've since I've been a, you know, since I passed out of Sandhurst, I've run, I've run things. It's it's what I thrive in doing. I'm an operator, and and right now, I'm, the charity is I'm I'm back in the world of, of as as an operator. So I I do enjoy doing this. The the one thing I've forgotten about, um, and I probably need to start thinking about again, is my actually my own probably my own financial security, which ain't great. Um, and maybe that's a responsibility that has been, uh, I've let go a bit. Um, but I've, I haven't done it because I think I'm doing a good thing. I've done it because 
So I've really, really enjoyed myself. Oh, well, that's, that's amazing to hear. Um, you've used Bill Gates as an example of the kind of person we need more of. Why, why Bill Gates exactly? I mean, apart from the fact that he is hugely generous. Um, yeah, I'm not, and I'm not talking about him from his money, actually. I'm talking about him from his profile because we live in a very odd world at the moment. And I, you and I could probably settle down for another half an hour to talk about where, you know, where we sit in the planet at the moment. But I would argue that we are in a position, and I'm not getting political, but I'm in a position, we're in a position now where we are devoid of leaders. Uh, and it's at a time in the planet where I think we need we need to be led. And the reason I cite Bill Gates is I I think what he and Melinda are doing during COVID is providing that leadership. They're talking about solutions. They're crossing borders. And, you know, there are always going to be people who criticize them. We live in a world where you get on Twitter and you can hide behind your keyboard. I'm not interested in them. I'm, I'm interested in the wider population who want to be led, who want to feel inspired. And I think where we sit now, philanthropy is the place that we can do that. Uh, there are some seismic issues on this planet, and I'm not talking about veterans. Um, there are some seismic issues that need addressing, whether it's climate change, whether it's around ecology, whether it's around gender diversification, whether it's around racism. And these are not issues where a border is going to stop it being apposite. These are global issues. And I, I believe we need more people like Bill and Melinda Gates to pick up a cause, a theme, and corral people behind them to make a change. And, and so that's, that's really why, I, I, you know, that's why Bill Gates, I think, right now is, is an important man on the, on, the global, on the global stage. Yeah, very well said. I couldn't agree with you more, Ed. Um, you, you're absolutely right. I could go on talking to you for an awful lot longer than half an hour, and maybe we will uh, afford each other the time to do that subsequent to this podcast, and maybe even get you back for a, for a bit more uh, if you can stomach it. Obviously, and I and I should just say at this juncture to those listening, I know that we have had a couple of wobbly bits on this uh, podcast. We obviously do everything we can to control sound quality. Uh, that's not always possible for various reasons, and of course. For a period of time, we will be doing these podcasts remotely. So apologies if uh, anyone's picked up any um, odd sounds here and there, but we do our best to, to bring you wonderful guests like uh, Ed Parker as and when we can. So final couple of questions, Ed, if I may. First one is, um, how do we find out more about Walking with the Wounded? So is there a website? Is there any social media presence? Because there's lots of people listening that will be now be gunning for Safari or Google Chrome going, right, where, where do we find out more about this wonderful work that Ed and his team are doing? Um, well, it's, it's really easy, Sandra. It's, our, our website is walkingwiththewounded.org.uk. We're on uh, Facebook, Insta, Twitter, LinkedIn. You know, look up into the clouds. We're probably there too. So it's very easy to find. Well, I will be connecting with you. And um, I'm going to um, make life very easy for you, Ed. I'm going, to, I'm going to suggest a couple of things now. You mentioned that um, you know, money is very important. You don't like asking. So what I'm going to do on behalf of the Sandro Forte podcast is, is make a very humble offering of £1,000 on behalf of the Sandro Forte podcast to thank you, uh, first of all, for being a guest today, but also to recognise in some small way the incredible work that you and everyone at Walking with the Wounded are doing. So subsequent to this, we will connect and we will find a way of getting that money to you ASAP. 
and hopefully it does something to help uh, someone or a group of people along the way. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is I'm a, I'm a trustee on a very large worldwide charity, uh, and I'm going to make sure that we help with the grant application uh, to bolster your funds even further. So I know that wasn't something you were expecting. Um, there was no exchange of communication on this subject, so I know I've thrown that as a little bit of a curveball. But uh, please accept those two gestures with our grateful thanks, not just for your service to this country, but for all the people that you're helping to uh, to rehabilitate, because they too have uh, have kept us safe since pretty much World War Two. So, um, on behalf of all of us, thank you. So, the final question, with, with that gesture now behind us, well, uh, I'm, I'm very touched by that. Slightly speechless, so I shall stay that way. Thank you. Well, don't be speechless for too much longer because I've got one final question. And the final question, Ed, is with all that, well, frankly, incredible experience that you've now got, whether it's in the city or serving our country or, or helping people to rehabilitate uh, within your charity, Walking with the Wounded, if a younger version of yourself approached you and said, you know, OK, Ed Senior, sorry, I don't like to use that word really, but anyway, you know what I mean, Ed Senior, um, if you could drill down... Uh, maybe to one or two simple sentences, a piece of advice that would help me find my way in life, maybe a mantra to live by, maybe a philosophy, maybe something that just helps me focus on the things I need to be as a person. Uh, what would that piece of advice be from, from Ed Parker, Senior? Oh, it's a wonderful, that's just a wonderful thing to be able to reflect on. There are two things um, both of which uh, I have I have children in their late teens, early twenties, and I've I've talked to them about it. And there are two things I've said to them before. I don't know if they listen, but um, <laughs> and that's the point. The first point is I I would say to my younger self, listen, uh, and listen to whoever you can. Don't talk back. Just absorb what you can. Uh, you don't have to form opinions. Just let that knowledge come into you because you will be, you will be better for it. And I, I, I don't think I listened enough when I was young. Um, the other thing I would say, and this is my slightly older self, was I have this um, mantra, which is remember who's in charge. And there are times when you have to take ownership of your decisions. And um, I think too often now we we manage, we lead by committee. And the reason that we need leaders is we want them to be in charge and we want them to turn around. Once they've listened, say, this is the way we're going. And if we stick together, we'll get there. So those, I think those are the two things I would say, Sandra. And two really fabulous takeaways. So um, I, I'm... I'm uh... I'm privately devastated that we've run out of time because uh, we could go on talking about so many different things. And, and I don't want to over-egg the pudding here, but again, thank you for uh, all you do. And, and please extend our thanks to all those people uh, in hospital uh, trying their best to run farther and, and jump farther and, and all the amazing things that they're all doing. So on behalf of a very, very large number of people listening across many, many countries, Ed, uh, Ed Park, Edward Parker, thank you very, very much indeed for being part of the Sandro Forte podcast. Well, Sandro, thank you so much for your time. It's been, I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you.